Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. The sermon you are about to hear can also be downloaded at www.grenadachurch.com. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message. We're going to be in Judges chapter 16, verse 21. The great champion of Israel, Samson, starting in verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful, God, of your spirit we've already felt this morning. And God, as we break the bread of life, hallelujah, I pray that continues, Lord. Let your word feed our soul, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and we say amen. amen. Poor Samson, at this point of the story, the great champion of Israel has been brought to nothing. Before he was born, an angel of the Lord had told his mother that son would be great, and he was. He would set Israel free from the oppression of the Philistines, and the angel told the mother, he said, don't ever cut his hair. And while you're pregnant, don't ever bring any strong drink to your lips. And don't eat any food that is sacrificed. And he he grew in great strength. He he grew so powerful. And I don't know how big Samson was. And just to be honest, I kind of feel like he may not have been somebody like... uh, the giant, he was, I'm sure he was a good-sized man, but he was not a giant either. He was just a, a good-sized fellow, and he, but he had great strength, and that strength come from the Lord. He was so powerful that one time a lion jumped out on him, and he literally ripped the lion apart with his bare hands. On one occasion, he was tied up. And by his own tribe, Judah, waiting for the Philistines to come get him, he just stands up and he rips the ropes off like the rubber bands. And then he slew 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. That's how powerful this man was. He, the Bible says he was a great judge over Israel for 20 years. And this dispensation of time, this is how God dealt with the nation. He would set judges over them to rescue them from oppression of the surrounding uh, nations around Israel. And Samson was the man of the hour. He was of great strength. In our opening text, though, the great hero of so many fights is now captured by his own foolishness. In verse 20, I want to read that to you. And she said, the Philistines be up on thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times before and shake myself. But here's the sad part of this verse. And wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't know the Spirit of the Lord had, had left him. His strength and his power was not his own. He should have known better, and the Lord took that power from him. This is all a type and a picture of the backslider, of the Christian that has failed God and backslidden. And the the backslider is the person that is no longer on fire for God. Doing great things for the Lord, maybe at one time, and then over something in the world, they lose their footing in God's kingdom 
and slide away. That's why they call them backsliders. They were once great men or women of God. They were good Christians. And for various reasons, they lose their footing and they slide away. Samson's weakness come in the form of a woman, and her name was Delilah. Thousands of men could not take Samson down but one evil woman with a bad heart and a motive for money. She enticed this great judge of Israel, and she found out his weakness. The three times, I believe it was, well, it was several times that Delilah would come to Samson. Let me know your weakness. And he would never give in. He would always tell her a story about where he drew his strength from. And then finally she keeps on and on. And Samson finally tells her, my strength comes from my hair that the Lord had told my mother long ago not to cut. How many of us are being pressed by family, friends, or maybe that lewd person that's still in your life to find out your weakness? Everybody has one. I can guarantee you this 100% this morning. Everybody sitting here today, every human in this world, despite how good of a Christian you may be, despite your consecration, and there's no doubt that, that all Christians are at a different level of their consecration. Some are weaker than others. That's just the way human life is. But every single one of us have a weakness. And the enemy of our soul, he searches that out. It's that old friend with the drugs that comes back around. It's that old drinking buddy with the Bud Light. Well, maybe not Bud Light anymore. Maybe it's Coors Light, but you get what I'm saying. It's that old friend that comes around with that alcohol. Or maybe it's that family member that just doesn't like you going to that church or being part of that church, and they draw you away. Every one of us have a Delilah that comes around from time to time to draw us away from the things of God. And don't say, it won't happen to me, Brother Wilson. I will follow Jesus. There's a, when I preached from this part of the Bible, I'll never forget a man one day that he, he was about where Tommy was and he stood up and he was coming my way. And the Lord had told me and spoke to my heart to speak to him something's wrong. And I tried. I, I stood right here at this pulpit and I said, let me talk to you just a minute. I said, what's wrong? Something's wrong. And I, it's just on my heart. The Spirit of the Lord said, something's wrong. Well, you're crazy, Brother Wilson. A team of horses couldn't drag me away. That was the last Sunday I seen him. We all have a Delilah. We all have that propensity to sin will enter our life. Samson thought he could never lose. You see in verse 20, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do what I've always done. He did not even know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And we don't, it's just a little while later, this once great judge of Israel, we find him with his head shaven and he's taken away and changed with his eyes gouged out. He was bound into change and forced into slave labor. And if you read there, he was taken to the prison house and what he was doing 
It was actually the job of an animal. In the old days, they would throw wheat on what they would call the threshing floor, and an animal would drive this device, and it would crush the wheat. And I'm not an expert on all that. I just know a little bit about the process, but he was working like an animal. He was doing the work in this wheelhouse, this grinding house. And people were laughing at him like an animal. There's the great judge of Israel. Look at him. He'd been brought to his knees by our mighty God. I'm sure people were laughing him to scorn every time they would see him. His beautiful locks of hair gone. He was blind, no longer could see. And that's what sin will do to anybody's life. It will take away your appearance. It will take your ability to see spiritually. It takes Christians and it leaves them powerless. And like Samson, they don't even know. And we're, none of us are different, so don't jump up. I've got this and be very careful. Because that, that very thing that we maybe point out where somebody else has failed, and I've seen it too many times. Oh, look, Brother Wilson lost his wife and they're getting a divorce. Be careful what you say about somebody because it might enter your own life. I've seen it too many times. Oh, Brother Joe Blow over here, He look at him. He was once a great teacher and a great preacher. Now he's fell into drugs and alcohol. I knew it wasn't real. We're not the judge of that. Samson was a great judge of Israel, and he set Israel free from much oppression. But this is what sin will do. Forced back into the slavery of sin. And one area that I can speak well of is drugs. And I don't mean well in the sense that it's good. I'm just saying I can speak from experience of the awfulness and the horror of sin. When you see a drug addict and you all look at them, they're just, they think they're having a good time. Look at them. They don't want to know about the things of the Lord. And ah, they're just no good to society. I can tell you there's many nights that I sat there. My heart was racing from the drugs I'd just done, and I'm thinking, what can I do to get free from this? And I was looking on my own, looking for answers, and I never could find an answer. What was the problem? The problem was sin that had me blinded. It was taking away my appearance. It was taking away everything that I had. Blind to the things of God. And you know, when you're blind to the things of God, darkness shuts out all joy, my friends. When the Lord is not present in your life, when the strength of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit is not working in your life, it shuts out all joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, is what the Bible says. So now do you understand why so many people in this miserable world, there's no joy. There's doctors trying to give them pills to bring some kind of joy in their life. They'll find no joy there. Some of the most miserable people you can ever be around is millionaires. I know. I got to spend a weekend with them one time, and they were some of the most frightful and miserable people I've ever been around in my life. I like to be around people full of joy. You take somebody like Judy there. I always said Judy to her, she could probably roll her car down the hill 30 times and get out and say, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) 
She just appears like that kind of person to me. She could take it pretty good. Now, some of us, we stub her toe in the middle of the night. We'd lose it. But she's just one of them. I like being around people like they're just full of joy. My friends, there's no joy at the end of a crack pipe. There's no joy at the bottom of that whiskey bottle. There's no joy in that lewd relationship people are carrying on. And they know it's wrong. And they will find no joy in it. Samson was in slavery, and that is exactly what sin does to the backslidden believer. Really, anyone, it, it takes them into slavery. But the Christian, though, there's something different about a Christian when they are backslidden. They realize the horror of their sin. That's what's different about a Christian. You, you can get me around somebody that's, that's saved and, and, and sin is in their life. You can notice real quick because it bothers them. See, the big difference between a Christian and somebody that is not a Christian is this. The world thinks we're supposed to be a perfect because Christian labels have been slapped on our, our life. And that's just not the truth. We don't set out to sin. I don't wake up in the morning and say, boy, I've got a sin I'm going to go do today. That's just not how it works. But unfortunately, sometimes I do. Unfortunately, sometimes you do. It's not that we intended to, but it happens. And there's the difference with the Christian. The Christian realizes the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in. Hey, I messed up. You're going to see that with Samson here in just a little bit. The Spirit of the Lord made him realize that he had messed up in a big way. Um, when I have people come to me, Brother Wilson, I'm worried about something I did. Am I going to be okay? And my response is usually this. Well, if you're worried about it, you're probably okay. Amen? Amen. When you get to the point, I like the LGBT community nowadays, I don't care what you say. You're going to accept what I'm telling you, and that's the end of it, and God will accept my sin. It's okay. That's dangerous. When the alcoholic says, God says it's okay that I drink, that's dangerous. When the drug addict says, God's okay with a little bit of weed, that's dangerous. Now, I will qualify. I understand nowadays that they've learned that we, with cancer patients, people died. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the person that goes and gets loaded up for no apparent reason other than just be high. No, that's not okay. God didn't send you to take away somebody else's wife or husband. Oh, you've seen them just like me. Married couples in the church, look at this, what God has sent me. God has not called a Christian to destroy homes. And I've got to be careful. I understand relationships are very complex in this world today. But still yet, the Word of God instructs us. It's one man and one woman that formed the union of a marriage. And that is what God has ordained as okay. Nothing else. It's not Adam and Steve. Amen? Amen? It's an abomination in the eyes of God is what it is. And when you say those things are okay, when you start justifying them, any sin, when you start saying it's okay what I'm doing, my friends, you are backslidden. Can you imagine how Samson felt in that grinding house? 
I can't imagine my mind. I, I, I try to, but I, I, there's no way I could probably wrap my mind around how that man felt. This was the greatest man in Israel. And when you can take down a thousand people with a bone, you're something. I mean, this guy was a, he was powerful. And then it's all taken away. And he's doing the work of an animal while people chide him and chastise him. Can you imagine the dishonor he felt and the great shame brought into his life? Now imagine how you would feel if you fall into that trap of sin. Can you imagine how preachers feel when, and, and don't think that many of them feel awful, I'm sure, when I'm talking to some that have failed. But let's say a minister that has failed and maybe he's had an adulterous affair and he's brought great shame up on his church and denomination and the people he was pastoring. How awful that feeling that person has to go through. Caught in a spiritual grinding meal house. Treated like an animal because of sin. Bringing great shame upon your life, upon your church, upon your job. How the mighty can fall. Some years ago in Los Angeles, a man was walking up and down the street and he had a sign draped over him. And on the front it said, I'm a slave for Jesus. And on the back it said, who's slave are you? What a great question. What a great question for us today. We're going to serve one of two masters. Sin or righteousness. Good or evil. God or the devil. Just like there's only two genders. There's only two sides you can be on. One of two sides. You can either be on the side of good. Or you can be on the side of evil. This world is turned into everybody's doing right what in the sight of their own eyes. Very dangerous. My friends, in this world that we're in, people get confused, but it's really not complicated. Most everything in, the lot, in our life has spiritual implications. And you're either on the side of good or you're on the side of evil. Abortion, a hot topic in our nation. There's only one or two places you can be. You can be on the side of good and believe that life should have a chance, or you can be on the side of evil and think it's okay to terminate a, a small, innocent child. And there's no in between there. On the, this issue with, um, and I'm sorry, it's not transgenders, it's transvestite. That's what the Merrick Medical Manual calls it because it's mental illness. You can either say, be on the side of good and say, you know what? God designed us as a man, or he designed us as a woman, and that's the way it is. I can't change it. I accept what God has made me, and I'm going to do what the Bible instructs me to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my children up in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to, men, I'm going to leave my house the best I know how as I follow Jesus Christ and the women, women of God. Read Proverbs 31 if you want to know what a woman of God is supposed to be like. Thank you for listening today. This radio station is listener supported, which means we rely on your donations to keep us on the air. We're a non-profit organization, so your donations are tax-deductible. 
We're on the air 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, playing Christian music and teaching programs. We have something for everyone. We're asking for your help today. We need your prayers and your financial support to stay on the air. Won't you please make a donation today? You can make a secure donation by going to our website at www.cross.radio. Thank you for your support and God bless you. And there have been some great women in the Bible. Reading Judges about Deborah. Read about Deborah's uh, friend. She was something. She drove a spike through a man's head. And gave victory to Israel. I mean, she was something now. But you could be on this other side of evil where just anything goes. Romans chapter 1. Men and women burned in their lust after one another. Now, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little, but I'm going to be a little bit more pointed. Well, no, I shouldn't say I'm sorry. I'm not going to make any excuses for the Word of God. But this is what Paul said. Paul said about all those that want to do things contrary to the way God designed them in the sexual realm. He said those people are worthy of death. That's what he said. Go read it. That's, that's strong words, my friend. That's how serious this is, is to be caught into that spiritual uh, place in that grinding house where you can't get out and sin has you treated like an animal. So are you controlled by the sin nature or are you controlled by the divine nature? But I also want to speak on God's grace and mercy to backsliders. One day the Philistines bring Samson out to make sport of him. They bring Samson out and he's in these chains and they wrap him around two pillars. And take note that during this time, Samson's hair was growing back. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on now. The light bulb ought to be going off. His hair had been growing back. My friend, sin's never paid, but I promise you God will restore. Amen? Sin never pays, but God will restore. Matthew, go to verse 28 on the screen here. Let me read 28 through 30. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistine for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. All the thousands that... Samson had conquered, he took even more than that down on his last day here upon this earth. Notice Samson never regained his eyesight. Notice he never regained his freedom. But God restored his strength. Don't forget, here's the lesson. Sin has a price. It always does. Don't think that that secret sin will never catch up with us. Nobody may ever know, but sin always has its price. But God's grace and mercy can restore.
Hallelujah. Oh, you ought to shout this morning over that. That God's grace and mercy, despite all of our failures, can restore. Don't stay in that house another day. That grinding house. Don't stay in that world another day. God is saying, come out of that. Let God shake off those chains of sin that have you bound. Oh, I've I've heard all the world and I've seen all the world has to offer. I, I, I literally feel like God has carried me a lot of places to be able to speak about what sin is. And people say, well, I don't see how people can sin. Well, pick up your Bible and read it. Sin has a pleasure to it, but finish it out for a season. Oh, it felt good to smoke weed. It felt good. Why'd you do meth? Because I felt like I could run through a brick wall when I did it. I felt like I, I felt like Samson. I felt like I could have took on a thousand and probably could have. But there's that price attached to the end of it. All the sin is fun for a little while. And then once you, at the end of it, you realize what the price tag says. The price tag is heavy. It's a tore up life. You destroy so many things. Let God shake off those chains today. What about them people that are bound by pills? Oh, just because it comes from a doctor don't mean a whole lot. The doctor will tell you you need psychological help, and God says, Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That sip of wine, that beer that a lot of the church world is telling everybody it's okay. My goodness, we even got preachers in this area that are partaking. I'll never forget a guy told me one time, and it was nobody in here. It was somebody who does not go to church here. I, and it was in this area. He said, I noticed the preacher drank a beer at this ceremony. Then he drank another. Then he drank another. Next thing you know, he's doing the boot scooting boogie. Across the dance floor, polluted by that intoxicating beverage. Does he love God? I have no doubt he probably does. But he's in that grinding house. He's backslidden. He don't know how to get out. Samson's final fight was powerful. But watch what it cost him. It cost him his life. That's what sin can do. Oh, you might make it to heaven. But what are you going to lose in the meantime? What kind of life are you going to lose here because of that sin? What did God have planned for you? What great things did God say, hey, my son, my daughter, I have these things before you. I set life before you. Choose this day who you'll serve. And we reject it for that season of sin. Here's a powerful lesson in all this. Let me sum it up. Whatever the grace of God may do for us, it cannot make sin a right thing or a safe thing or a permissible thing. 
Sin is evil, so be on guard. The idea is not to go sin and then ask God for forgiveness. Sure, that can happen. God's grace is more powerful than any sin out there. But the idea is God has left you empowered here on this earth so you can be an overcomer. And when temptation comes, you can say, no, don't be enslaved to sin. The cost is too high. So how can I be an overcomer, Brother Wilson? I'm so glad you asked. Now, I'm not Samson. I'm not powerful. And I look to see how he failed. But I want you to notice something about him before we leave today. The Spirit of God would come up on him at times. And he was just powerful. And then the Spirit of the Lord would depart for a while. And then when he needed again, the Spirit of the Lord would come up on him again. But you live up under greater promises. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit is coming come in a new realm. No longer in the Old Testament times it was for a season. You'll read in the Bible that people like Samson, it would say, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But notice here with Samson, back in verse 20, the Spirit of the Lord had left him. But my friends, today, even in our failure, the Spirit of the Lord don't leave us. Why? Because the blood is just that powerful. You live up on greater promises. Moses and Abraham waited for this day to come that when Jesus would liberate the captives before Calvary. You are empowered 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by the Spirit of God that lives in you based on one simple thing. And that one simple thing is your faith. And it's not just any old faith. This is where the pulpit had ran aground and got stuck. My friends, you have to keep your faith centered on what Christ has accomplished at Calvary. 24-7. And if you will do that, you will never run out of power. You will never be caught with sin that you can't get out of because the Spirit of God is working in you. Oh yeah, you got to respond. You can't sit back and never do anything. Oh no, my friends, you have to let the Spirit of God do that work in you. You have to let Him be your teacher. You have to let Him be your leader. You have to let Him be your all in all. When you feel that conviction over, coming over you, you have to respond. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. But here's the promise. That faith in that finished work at Calvary will always give you the victory if you will let God do the work. And here's what we'll leave with. Romans 8. Verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. That's verse 1. First thing you have to understand, I am no longer condemned. My head is not on the chopping block. I am not a slave to sin anymore once I'm saved. Now you can backslide and get yourself in a bad situation. But if you will stay firm in your faith 
And you won't let sin rule and reign from your heart if you will stay consecrated to the Lord by that faith that empowers you. You're no, you're no longer condemned. But the moment you're saved, the idea is, I am forgiven. I do not owe a debt for my sin because Jesus paid it. I am declared not guilty. Man, I've said that before at the prison, and I've watched the whole prison come just shake loose when I said that. Why? Because they had time to think about it. I think in our lives as a Christian, we don't slow down long enough to think about that and the implications of it. You're no longer guilty. I tell you what, if you don't shout now, you'll shout in heaven. When you find out you're declared not guilty. I don't care how many years you've been sitting on those church pews. When you figure it out, when it comes to your... That day when it arrives for you through the rapture of the grave and when you're standing before Jesus Christ and you're declared innocent, not guilty, oh, those words will come back to your memory and I'm no longer condemned. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, in Him, in Him. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I skipped over that part. What does that mean? I'm not walking after my own ability anymore. Stop trying to do this on your own. I had to discover that as a Christian. And I got saved. God snatched every drug addiction away from me instantly. That day at the altar when I come up, I never had another taste for meth. People talk about they got to go to rehab. I went to rehab, all right. I went to a one-step rehab. It was at the altar at Stonefield Church of God. And when I finally had enough of all that garbage in my life, and I said, I'm done, God, and I accept your grace and mercy, at that moment it was all gone, and I never had another desire ever, ever to touch it again. In fact, I have a hatred for it. But I still struggle with cigarettes and beer. Oh, look at brother. That, he said he got saved. And look at him. I was standing out in front of the church door smoking when they were coming in. I was blowing smoke on them. I didn't know. I didn't, brother Randy. I mean, I, now I know why they were so mad at me. But I, I, it, didn't, it, it didn't register with me because I was seeing it taking such a hold of me my whole life. And when it Conviction set in, and I said, you know what, this has got to go. And I kept struggling, I kept struggling, I kept struggling, I kept failing, I kept failing. So if somebody's showing up to church, and they're still engaged in things that they ought not be, don't run them out. Let God deal with them. The best thing you can do for it, pray for them. Pray for them. Because if it hadn't been for the grace of God, I wouldn't have made it. I had people talking about me, and I was, I was showing up to church because I wanted answers. When people come to church, they don't have to come. They could go anywhere in the world, but they choose to come to the house of the Lord because they're looking for answers. So give them time, but I kept looking, I kept looking. And when the message of the cross entered my life, and I finally understood, you mean this is all it is? And that light bulb went off? I'll never forget that night. My wife wasn't there. I was by myself, and I was fixing to go to bed. 
And I had a pack of Marlboros in my hand. And I said, God, if this thing is real, you take it from me. And I promise you take it from me. I'll never pick up another one again. And that flooded over my soul. I broke down in tears. I was crying so hard I had to go to bed. And when I woke up that next morning, I had not a taste for a marble anywhere in my body. And that applies to anything in your life. Anything. That's how it works. Don't let this modern religion run you aground. You can have victory. I'm sinning, Brother Wilson. Keep on coming. I've tried. Keep on trying. Keep on getting up to the, the plate and swinging that bat. God's not playing Christianity baseball. Three strikes, you're out. Thank you, Jesus. He said, keep on keeping on. If you won't quit, God won't ever quit on you. I promise you. Let's stand with me this morning. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. All minds concentrating on the Lord just for a moment. We'll just give me another minute here. We'll let you go. The Lord said you've been running too long. The Lord said he knows you love him. But he's wanting to give you rest today. But you have to come back home. You have to leave that world behind. God is wanting to to do amazing things in your life today. I believe that about each and every soul here today. God has not forgotten you. The enemy has convinced you that God has somehow forgotten you. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. God loves you more than your mind can ever comprehend. Those times when you're alone and you think that sin has just overcome you and there's no hope. There's somebody standing there that you're not aware of. I believe God dispatches His angels to bring comfort to those that are heartbroken. I believe the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us to give us strength and faith when we need it. And Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus today. Lord, those here that have let sin put them in that spiritual grindhouse and they're enslaved to it, Lord. They're trying to break free. I know they love you. I know they're saved, but they just can't break free from this sin. And it's tearing them up on the inside, Lord. It's about to wreck their life, and they're looking for relief, and they're just about to quit. Father, we pray today with them. Lord, we approach you first asking for forgiveness of our sin. But just as this song says, just as I am, Hallelujah. You didn't ask us to clean up before we come home. You just asked us to come. Hallelujah. Just come. Just come as you are. There's a Holy Father that loves you. There's a Holy Father that wants to have a relationship with you. It's not a bunch of religious effort. It's just faith. And he's just saying, come as you are today. Lord, as we leave out today, I pray maybe one that's going to hear this by radio, God, would, would change their ways. Or maybe they're not even saved, Lord. And they accept Christ as their Savior today. 
Lord, be with us as we go. Keep us safe in this evil world. Don't let us end up in that spiritual grinding house, Lord. Protect us, empower us, keep us strong and full of faith as a witness to your grace and mercy in these last days. We ask it in Jesus' name and we say amen. Hallelujah. We're so glad you joined us today. This is the place to come for the best in Christian music and sermons. We know that life can be tough, but we believe that God has a plan for each of us, and we want to help you find that plan. So please, stay tuned for more messages of hope and encouragement. Here at Power of the Cross Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have a need, visit our prayer wall on the website at www.cross.radio. We also believe in the power of Christian music to touch hearts and change lives. So please keep listening. And if you know someone who might need a little encouragement, tell them about Power of the Cross Radio. We cover a wide mix of Christian music. Check the website schedule for more details. And if you have any questions, email us at info at cross.radio. You can also call us at 662-294-0608. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. You can visit their website at cfministry.com.